0: Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. We are weak, but he is strong. I'm Kevin Biltman, your host and recovering burnout pastor, who's here to share with you sermons and songs from friends of mine that I hope will be a blessing to you. Rob Morosco from Wisconsin is now back from Tanzania, where he was leading marriage workshops for church leaders there. His sermon is based on 2 Chronicles 14 about King Asa and compares that story with the illustration of a snake shedding its skin, and how that applies to us. Interesting enough, the song at the end of today's podcast is called Rattler, a fantastic song that was written just a few months ago about a rattlesnake. For now, let's listen to Pastor Rob.
1: There are a variety of creatures around the world that universally cause people to be upset or uncomfortable. One of those is the snake. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, I tend to be fascinated by snakes, but I also don't want to get real close to them. But uh, the snake actually serves as a really good image for what we're talking about today as we look at our readings and the section that we're going to cover here in Second Chronicles. This snake that's up here on the screen is in the process of shedding its skin. Now, I don't want to turn this into too deep of a science lesson, but for what reasons does a snake shed its skin? What can you think of? Growing. Yeah, that, that's usually the first thing that people think of, and it is true that snakes shed their skin when they are growing especially when they are younger and they start tiny and they grow rapidly like human children, they tend to shed their skin. And even though a snake's skin is fairly pliable, flexible, it can stretch, it can only stretch so much. And so it needs to shed in order to allow room for growth. That's one reason. What are the other reasons why a snake sheds its skin? Yeah. Yeah. Snakes actually get dirty. Their scales get dirty. And over time, they can pick up things like parasites, ticks, diseases. And if they leave that on their skin, it will make the whole snake sick. And so they will shed their skin in order to get rid of those things and get clean once again. Good. Any other reasons? There's one more that uh, scientists have discovered. Just like human beings and really every other creature that has skin, our cells get older and they get dry, and they're not as effective as they should be. And so over time, a snake will shed its skin in order to get rid of that old, dry, dead stuff and to be healthier with its new skin. So all of those things are going on when a snake sheds its skin. It's allowing it to grow, it's getting rid of things that could make it very sick, and it's getting rid of the old, dry, dead stuff that doesn't serve a purpose anymore. Those are the different reasons why a snake sheds its skin. And every single time it happens, a snake's new skin leaves it just a little bit more vulnerable, and it also means a time of change. It's not easy for a snake to shed its skin. It's a a long process of getting ready and then finally getting rid of it. That time of change is natural for a snake, but when we start to apply it to people, which we'll do in just a second, it can sometimes be a little bit more difficult. So let's get into that, shall we? Nice science lesson, but we're not here to talk about snakes and science. We're here to talk about Jesus. If you have your Bible, open it up. Second Chronicles chapter fourteen. This is part of our weekly section of readings, and we meet a king named Asa. Uh, as we get into this, I'll just give you a little bit of history. This text opens up with reference to Abijah, who was Asa's father, um, but this is the line of kings. Um, As we've gone through, and this is our second time through the history of Judah and Israel, and we focus mainly on Judah in these sections in Chronicles, there are good kings and there are bad kings. In the nation of Israel, there are no good kings. They're all bad. They all worship false gods. They all do evil things. There's no good ones in the northern tribe in Israel. In the southern tribe, you kind of get a split. There are some good kings. There are some bad kings. And there's not really a system to say which one is going to be good. So we start with Rehoboam, Asa's grandfather. He was the first king of the southern kingdom of of Judah. He was not a good king. He didn't submit to God. He didn't honor his advisors. He oppressed the people. And he caused a lot of division, a lot of trouble in the nation of Judah. Abijah, his son, came after him, and he was no better He worshiped false gods along with the one true God. He did all kinds of things that were not faithful and didn't honor God. And then we get to Asa. Now, to put this in the language of what we just discussed with snakes, for the people of Israel, this should have been a time of incredible growth for them. But instead, their skin, if you will, was getting hard was getting old, was diseased. And if things didn't change, it was going to end up dying. So Asa steps in, and it's time for a shed. And this is what we read in Second Chronicles chapter 14, verses 1 through 8. Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land had rest for 10 years. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Now, these are the specific things that he did. And just a quick note there are at least two mistakes that I made on the slides this week Uh, one a spelling mistake, and one a reference mistake. My caveat here is that I put these slides together about 24 hours after getting back from Tanzania. So my brain was not functioning perfectly, and uh, so I'm just asking that when you see these mistakes, you give me a little bit of grace, all right? Okay. Here's what Asa did, and think about it in the course of shedding skin. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the asherim and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. Now, look, that should have been standard operating procedure for the people of God. But all of these other things had crept in and were now coating their skin and causing problems. So, Asa cleanses all of that away. He sheds all of that off. Here's my spelling mistake. He also took out of all the cities of Judah, the high places and the incense altars. And and what was going on there, if you read about the kings, some of them will spend some time in reform, but they will leave the high places or leave the poles for worship in place. And, And those high places were often places where people went to offer sacrifices and bring offerings to false gods. And so by leaving those in place... You had more opportunity for sickness, for disease, for parasite, for death. And Asa knows that you have to shed the entire skin in order to get all of that stuff off. So he gets rid of all of these things that are connected to any kind of false gods. He gives the people the word of God, and he has a complete reform. And all of that old, yucky stuff is stripped away, and you're left with beautiful new skin. What we read next is this. He built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those days, for the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, "'Let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us peace on every side.'" So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, armed with large shields and spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Look what God is doing. This is this beautiful new skin, this healthy skin, and his people, once again, are growing the way that God intends for them to grow. And then challenge comes. So if you did the math there, we've got 580,000 valiant men ready to fight. Then Zira the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of how many? A million. Rats! They were doing so well. And then they faced this army. And the odds are not good. But know what Asa does. With skin that's been renewed, with a life that's been reformed, watch what Asa does. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there's none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. And there it is. Asa with this life made new this heart made new this faith strong he leads the people to trust only in god that's what it looks like when we're healthy and god well if you did the reading god wipes out that ethiopian army a million of them and what we read is as they're fleeing The people of Israel strike them down so that not one is left. God gave them that victory and victory and victory and victory. You read this over and over and the people of Israel are wiping out all of their enemies and they're picking up all the spoils of war. They're picking up money and clothing and animals and idols They're picking up the idols of the people that they're wiping out. And something starts to happen. That healthy skin that was so good now starts to get parasites and ticks and diseases. And it starts to age and crack. And even good things become bad which means it's time for another shed it's time for a change Asa goes back to Jerusalem they are enjoying the spoils of war they're starting to lose their focus on the one true God and so God acts. In chapter 15, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And then he uses the example of the people of Israel, the northern tribe. And he says, they forgot about God. And they have suffered because of it. And generation after generation, their skin gets harder, and they get more sick, and eventually they die. And Azariah says to Asa, don't let that happen to you. It's time for a shed. This is the way Asa responds. As soon as Asa heard these words, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. That should be 2 Chronicles 15, verse 8. Didn't Asa do all that stuff before? Didn't he get rid of all of the altars? Didn't he get rid of all of the idols? Didn't he remove all of those things? Yeah. Yeah but this is the nature of things, right? It's like a snake's skin. It gets new, and then over time, it gets older and picks up diseases and needs change again. It needs reform. It needs to shed again. So with Asa, he starts new, but over time, things start creeping in and pulling him away from his focus on the one true God. And it's time for a change. It's time for a shed once again. And here comes God who speaks into his life and says, this is what needs to happen. You be careful, Asa. I know that I'm using somewhat of an abstract example, but hopefully you've made the connection enough now so that when I ask this next question, you'll understand what I'm getting to. What needs to be shed from your life? God has called you to be his own. He made you new. He's loved you. He's saved you. You belong to him. But like a snake, over time, I think there are things that happen in our relationship with God that eventually cause us to to dry out, to get old. There are things that we pick up, maybe even good things, that become parasites, diseases. What in your life needs to be shed? Success at work. I mean, who doesn't want to be successful in what you do? But when that becomes the main focus of your life, when there's nothing more important than the next promotion or the paycheck or the status that you have, it can become something that actually hurts your relationship with God. Speaking of relationships, maybe there's a person in your life that has brought you joy, but when that person becomes more important to you than anything else and even hurts your relationship with God, it becomes a problem. What needs to be shed in your life? I think sometimes we can get so focused on doing what we want to do and so convinced that we're right that when God tells us something that doesn't line up with what we think, we just decide we want to do what we want rather than what God wants. And our skin gets old and hard, it gets sick, and if something doesn't change, we'll die. When a snake sheds its skin, it is sometimes a difficult process. And when it's getting ready to shed, it it doesn't like slither through a bunch of feathers that just feel nice. A snake will find a rock, a sharp surface, a tree with rough bark that will start the scraping in order to open up the skin and allow it to pull away. Sometimes God needs to do sharp things, hard things in our lives in order to strip away that old skin. Earlier in the service, we looked at the account of Jesus going into the temple, and um, it seems very out of character for Jesus. Jesus. We think about Jesus as the healer. Jesus is the one who gives love. Jesus is the one who shows compassion. But Jesus steps into the temple and he sees the sick, diseased skin of the people of Israel. And he grabs a whip and takes the sharp edge and starts to peel away the skin. And he confronts people with the things that have gotten in the way of their relationship with God. That's what Azariah did for Asa as well. And as hard as it can be, it's a good thing when God says that that hard, sharp thing to us that helps to strip away that old skin that needs to go. But just like when a snake sheds its skin... That new skin underneath ends up being healthy and beautiful and allows for growth. So it is with us. Jesus, when he goes into the temple, he overturns the tables. He challenges what they're doing, and people aren't very happy about it. And they say, what in the world are you doing? Jesus says, look, you destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again in three days. They had gotten too focused on the place of worship, on the the process of worship, and they had missed out on the focus of worship, the heart of worship. And so Jesus simply says, look, you tear this whole thing down and I'll raise it up in three days. Now we know, and the disciples knew that later, that Jesus was really talking about his body. But here's what's really taking place. Jesus is saying, look, you strip away all of this skin. You kill it. Get rid of it. All that sin skin that is on you, I'm going to take that. And you kill it. You destroy it. And when that is shed, there's new life that is coming. And that's what happens is Jesus rises from the dead again and this new life emerges. And by the way, that wasn't just for Jesus. Jesus said anyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God tells us in his word that when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into that death that sheds the skin away and then baptized into that new life where a, a whole new person comes out with healthy skin, a healthy life. That's what takes place as Jesus peels away the old and creates something new. What needs to go? And where is God working to peel away? And what does that new life look like? Asa got it. God, no matter what we face, you're the one, strong or weak, you're the one. And he watched God do incredible things in his life. God, you're the one. They can try and kill you and you come right back to life again. And we see his power at work. That's what happens in our lives as well. It's that skin goes away and something new emerges." That's the life of Asa. One quick note. In two chapters, then we read about Jehoshaphat. Last week, Pastor Eric started talking about discipleship and the importance of discipleship. And you might go, yeah, that's nice. But I think it's interesting that coming out of reform, coming out of this change with a new life emerging, Jehoshaphat then begins a process of intentional discipleship for the entire nation of Judah. He sends his officials, he sends the Levites, he sends the priests out to every city and every town to start teaching them the Word of God. Our time in the Word, our time in discipleship together is part of that life, that new life that helps to keep the skin healthy. Healthy. So, finding ways to get engaged in life groups, in Bible studies, in conversations with one another in an intentional way, not sporadically, haphazardly, but in an intentional way helps to keep that skin healthy. And I encourage you to find ways to get engaged and get involved as you follow Jesus. Next week, 2 Chronicles, chapters 25 to 33. Um, you're going to meet some good kings, you're going to meet some bad kings. If you read the sections before this, you're going to find some people that are familiar to you. But I encourage you as you get into these readings in this coming week to ask God to show you what needs to be shaped, what needs to be changed, what needs to be stripped away, and what does the new person look like. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for making us new. Thank you, God, for loving us enough to challenge us and confront us and strip away the skin and the sin that needs to go. Oh, Lord Jesus, keep our hearts soft and open to you, that we would hear your word, that we would respond to your spirit and that we would be made new by you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, speaking of snakes,
0: our song for today, performed live, was written by Chase Ryman, Denise Tavis, and John Gruen. I asked one of the writers to join us today. John, can you tell us something about this song?
2: Sure, Kevin. I'd love to tell you about this song. I met Chase and Denise at the Concordia University Irvine's Songwriter Initiative Retreat in May of 2022. And we were challenged in a co-writing session to think about the restoration of creation. At the same time, being visitors to the campus, we were warned to watch out for rattlesnakes. So we came up with a song called The Rattler. Uh, and we don't know that the serpent in the garden was a rattlesnake, of course, but that became our way of talking about the, the venomous bite of sin, death, decay, bondage, corruption uh, that we and all creation are in, Romans 8 stuff. So this song takes us from, from the paradise in the garden to the fall to sin to Christ, our second Adam, who felt the pain of death, felt the bite of, of that uh, death and decay that this world is now in. And Rose victorious crushed the serpent 's head, and the song also carries us to the the longing, the waiting, the hope of the new creation when it will fully be restored. We get revelation imagery there the the tree of life and and new creation, uh, resurrection from the dead kind of imagery, so uh, it was a fun song to write, and it takes us through uh, that whole history of uh, creations, bondage, then liberation, restoration. So I hope you all enjoy the song. Started in the birth of God Paradise for Adam and Eve
0: Death was waiting full of men Hidden in the
2: forbidden tree All creation has been growing Since they ate the fruit